Hi, welcome to the Culture Hacker Podcast. My name is Shane Green, and I'm going to be your host for the next 50 to 55 minutes as we talk about culture and how to reprogram the employee experience. Little reminder, the book is coming out on April 24th. Check it out. Uh, It's got lots of information and insights on how you can reprogram your employee experience to deliver a better mindset and attitude. And as we know, that's about better employee retention, better customer service, and overall better company performance. Today, we're going to get some more insights, and uh, they're going to come from a couple of really great people. I got Robert Melwig uh, from Destination Hotels, uh, soon to be Two Roads Hospitality. Uh, Again, a lot of great insights in how they've created an amazing culture by focusing on a few really key elements in the employee experience. I've also got Grant Kreft calling in. Uh, He's from a company called Fuel50. They're focusing on this whole idea of career development software and some really good insights about how we can do a much better job and focusing on something really important to a lot of people out there today, and that is their careers. Before we get into the interviews, let's talk a little bit about uh, what I've been thinking about and what I'm reading. Uh, Saw a cool article this week uh, about Toys R Us and how they're elevating the whole employee engagement uh, to improve customer brand loyalty. Uh, Good on you, Toys R Us. There were some really cool elements, but the bottom line is they're doing a really good job of enabling their employees. How do you do that? Well, there's three elements that I think are absolutely crucial, and it seems like they're doing a really great job of it. The first one is to enable your people, you gotta make sure they have the right tools to do the job. How many times you go in as a customer and employee says, we're out of this, we're out of that, or I don't have access to a tool that would really help me taking care of you. The bottom line is we're not focusing enough on arming our people with the tools to make life, their lives simple and easier. What they're doing over at Toys R Us is giving them some software to make sure that they have easy access to all the information about products in their stores, industry knowledge, and about how to make personal recommendations. The other thing you have to do to enable your people is to give them the right training. And that's a critical element. And Toys R Us are focusing on doing some online, small, uh, bite-sized type training that gives employees quick insights into different ideas about how to take care of the customer better. And the final thing you need for to enable your people, it's information. How are you communicating today? What I love about what Toys R Us are focusing on is they've put it all onto one platform. The Tulip retail app they've put on there is the tool to give them information they need to do their job better. It's got training on there, it's got communication, everything in one place to make it simple and easy for their employees to take care of their customers. So a big shout out to Toys R Us, great job guys. It was great reading about what you're doing. Keep it up because that's what you have to do to reprogram the employee experience and make your people feel good. All right, so uh, give me a couple of moments. I'm going to get our first interviewer on the phone, Robert Melwig. I'll be right back with Robert Melwig from Destination Hotels. So I'm very excited right now. We've got a guest on today's podcast, the Culture Hacker Podcast. We've got Robert Melwig, Senior Vice President of Really Cool People for a company called Destination Hotels. Robert, how are you doing today? Terrific. Thanks, Shane, for having us. No, listen, very, very excited. So tell us a little bit, uh, what is, who is Destination Hotels? So Destination Hotels is the largest operator in the world of independent hotels. Uh, we have curated the independent colloquial indigenous hotel experience uh, and have now expanded with the acquisition of commune hotels to, to represent 90 
uh, locations, seven countries uh, around the world. And so we think we're bringing the anti-brand uh, brand experience to the consumer in a way that, that follows consumer interest and sentiment and, and really a shift in the hospitality hospitality segment. Well, listen, congratulations. I know the new acquisition has, has keeping you very, very busy. So I think this is going to be great because uh, we, as we get into culture, I'm really interested to hear how you're managing so many independent and diverse properties. So this will be great. So let's start it off. Robert, give me uh, your definition of culture and why you think it's so important in running any business today. Sure, thanks. The, uh, the, I think the typical definition is the, you know, the way we do things around here. Uh, some refer to it as the secret sauce, uh, we, we refer to it really as a compilation of spoken, unspoken symbols, values, traditions, beliefs that shape the workplace. Uh, they, the impact on culture is, is uh, extra- extraordinary in, uh, in many businesses, but, but maybe none greater than the hotel hospitality business. So unless our consumers are you know, stealing the, the robes or taking the shampoo with them, uh, the experience economy trumps the business lines that we we are in, and so if you have a fundamental belief that what you're providing, delivering, selling, and what the consumer is buying is this experience notion, then the people delivering that and the various touch points uh, obviously materially shape things like price and value creation, uh, their ability to create net promoters and raving fans, and the underlying uh, business extension of that is is culture and the way in which companies create an environment for those associates to be their best selves, to lead and guide uh, the guest journey and deliver against that is, uh, is certainly key to our, our business philosophy. Fantastic. So I love how you're talking about your guest experience, customer experience. It's such a hot topic today. So tell me, what are the elements of culture that you think really has this positive impact? You, you talked about great guest experiences. How does culture impact that, uh, I guess, to your guests in a day-to-day basis? Sure. The uh, the phraseology we've adopted here, sort of like Nike's version of just do it, for, for us is this, this notion of the freedom to go beyond. And the independent hotel model really allows for a tremendous application on the owner side, the guest side, and the associate side. And so we take that freedom to go beyond uh, theology and allow our guests to have light guidance along their journey but they are seeking these unscripted discoveries. And so the brand pillars and values uh, of, of things that we espouse in marketing to the consumer, items like service with a story, which we think is, is far greater than service with a smile, and this deep personal connection to the environment in, in which we're in, to the locations, uh, and a nod to the, to the places in which we, we are built. Uh, things like individually empowered uh, that connect both in terms of the guest and the and the internal associate are are connection points. And so we have a direct and intentional, you know, causation effect of how we treat our associates and how we ultimately want that extension to show up with for our for our guests. So the individually empowered uh, example is probably a good one. Um, we want to make sure our individuals feel that way. So as management and leaders are guiding folks, uh, the amount of empowerment and speed of trust we build into the workplace intentionally, so associates have that uh, wired into their DNA, uh, can very easily translate and show up to our, to our guests. Uh, and, our, and our guests really respond that way and appreciate, again, that light guidance versus that more scripted 
prescriptive uh, hotel experience and stay that may may come from some competitors. So I love the idea. You talked about wired into the DNA. So are you selecting people with uh, these values in mind or and how are you wiring it in there? What are you doing to kind of keep that message alive day in, day out? Because let's face it, uh, you know, as an employee, you hear the same message over and over. It starts to lose its uh, importance. Sure. Yeah, I think we, you know, we look for hiring uh, for cultural fit. So some of our selection processes and tools uh, show up in, in prioritizing and valuing culture uh, above all. And so I think that if you build it in your hiring selection processes, uh, you, you know, you're set up for greater success. One of the questions we ask for our human resources and people services leaders in the field, uh, which is a, a bit of a trick question, is you know, how do you get people to be more service-oriented? And the fastest way you do that, uh, frankly, is to uh, exit people who aren't that way and hire more people who naturally are that way. And the second fastest way to do it is to, is to work doubly hard on training and development and, and support cultural systems that allow for you to take the rest of the group and try and elevate them. But the fastest way, to be clear, <clears throat> is to find these people. And they are the, they're the people that are holding the door for you walking in or out of a, of a shopping mall. They're the people that you see uh, walking through a, a business and picking up uh, a piece of paper or trash uh, simply because it was the right, right thing to do. And so we look for uh, cultural uh, beacons and people in our competitive uh, daily daily life. And we work hard to, to convince them that they might be better served working, working for us. And so we prioritize the selection and values uh, high into the employment life cycle, i.e. before they start. Uh, and, and I think that sends a cultural, cultural message of the importance of it. So do you get your managers in that and you sort of encourage and maybe even direct or train them about basically just approaching people that they see would be a good fit for one of your properties or brand? We do. In fact, one of my favorite uh, best practices that we've adopted is really a nod, nod to Disney. And so Disney has, has cracked the code uh, you know, many years into their, into their business model with their invention of FastPass. And for those who haven't been to Disneyland recently, uh, FastPass is that card you can stick in and, and it spits out at a particular ride or theme attraction and tells you to come back later at a prioritized lot of time. And so the time it may say is you come back at 310 and you don't have to wait in line to ride, you know, said ride the Jungle Cruise, for example. Uh, we have taken that same practice and applied it through our employee referral program. So if managers are out to dinner and uh, line associates, for that matter, and, uh, and having a great experience at a, at a neighborhood restaurant on a Friday night, uh, they can hand somebody a card, uh, which is effectively a version of our fast pass. And so they, quote unquote, skip the line. There's no, they don't have to come in and fill out the application. They don't have to uh, wait for Monday from three o'clock. They effectively have a prioritized personalized interview because this is someone we caught being awesome. We want them to work for, for our organization. So we have a way to track uh, those individuals, report, create some analytics around our ability to ultimately source uh, talent in that way and speed up our hiring process. That's a fantastic best practice uh, to share out there. So it leads into a really interesting thing. You know, we, we talk at Coltrack, a culture cannot be just an HR thing. So uh, in your position, senior vice president, really cool people, HR, um, do you have a position or do you see certain roles within your organization as being really critical to supporting you and delivering culture? Or do you just see that it's everyone's role? How do you look at it at Destination Hotels? Yeah, I think the... First off, I think everybody has got to play a role. I think if you're not on the cultural uh, you know, bandwagon in the organization, uh, I'm not sure you got a role in our organization. But there are there are roles that we certainly look for uh, for you know interesting and differentiated levels of support. 
so the, the president and senior executives, we certainly look to, to not only be supportive and model that behavior, but uh, reinforce uh, the value, celebrate uh, the culture when they're out, and, and build that into their into their uh, verbiage and, and speaking. So I'll tell you, our executives, when they have a chance to, to connect and speak uh, publicly or privately to small groups, I, I don't think there's a, a time where culture isn't either the first uh, slide or the first talking point or the closing statement. Uh, we use it as a way to be uh, symbolic. Uh, the second group I think sometimes is underrepresented is sales and marketing. We really look for the people that are helping to create and shape the messaging and the content and the promises we're, we're expected to deliver to the consumer <clears throat> to ultimately have a front row seat in ensuring that those promises and commitments are, are fulfilled. And so we really, really look for that function to play a stronger role than some of our competitors might. And, and the last example um, is one of my favorite favorite stories. So we have a hotel in Texas, La Quintera Resort, and for a major cultural redevelopment, several million dollars back into the asset. And the team there uh, took this concept and, and took it really further than anyone else has in our in our organization. And they have the associates trained, the line associates, not the management, to deliver against the cultural values and training that they espouse at La Quintera. And so the actual content, the delivery of the training is distributed to people who effectively volunteer to become trainers and facilitate the you know, inculcation of other new associates as they come into the organization. At the end of the training, what associates don't realize is every associate who's working that day at La Quintera, who has been through this training and is certified, is there to personally greet them in a receiving line, almost like a wedding, at the end of their session. So at the end of the day of training and this cultural experience, the doors open, there's music playing, and the associates have this magical experience. <laughs> They're walking through a wedding receiving line to get congratulated by everybody else who's there. So the level of distributed, uh, not only training and responsibility, accountability, and leadership, but, but really ownership um, is, is uh, remarkable. We have lots of different examples of, of how that shows up, but, but that's, a, that's my favorite. That, that's a great example. Let me ask you, it makes me think about the first day of a new employee uh, at the hotel or anywhere. How important is that first day to have a, an experience and something happen like that that they'll remember maybe for the rest of their lives? Sure. We work, we work hard at that, that first day experience. For us, uh, it may actually start pre-day one. Uh, we work for the onboarding process of, of uh, materials or information we may ultimately share in the selection process, uh, things we may give them uh, to read and, and study or have available for, for even their families to, to review or preview before they, they show up. Uh, but that day one experience, that welcoming environment and that cultural symbolism is, is critical. And so we facilitate orientation followed by what we refer to as destination DNA and that cultural uh, immersion experience. And we prioritize that extraordinarily early on in the uh, employee associate life cycle so that there's no mistake on the criticality and the importance of it. It also allows us to, to validate our selection and hiring uh, decisions, make sure we got people that culturally can, can fit in and ultimately deliver against those promises and expectations. And we'd like to know that uh, early on, uh, with certainly within the first 24, 48 hours, uh, before we've invested a, a lot more time on the technical functional support uh, mechanisms. Fantastic. Great. So I'm hearing some great ideas, but let's go to the other side. Uh, you know, culture is not easy. It's a lot of hard work. What do you think your biggest challenges are at Destination and how are you overcoming them? Yeah, I think there's I think there's two I see, and I don't, I don't know that they're unique to us, but we, uh, we certainly have, have, have them here. Uh, the, the ability for a leader manager to have confidence in their ability to what we would call promote somebody to customer. 
and effectively, you know, exit them from the organization. You know, you make a better customer on the other side of the counter than you would be, you know, a service provider on this side of the counter. And those are tougher conversations for people to have, especially if they're more junior, less uh, skilled in, in life. And so in today's world where there's higher levels of legal consideration and, and risk management as, you, as you're managing the employment doctrine, it is complicated. And so we work to, uh, under the ideology of really culture eats strategy for lunch. And we use that uh, taken from a nod from, from Kirk Kaufman, who's a friend and has done some work in, in, uh, in his life around strengths. And so that, that cultural connection, that, that um, uh, mission has to trump even at sometimes logic, legal, and theory. And if you build a high culture organization with high speed of trust, we actually find ourselves having less legal uh, considerations. But the ability to have uh, risk tolerance and acceptance for that, build the skills in the managers to be able to spot and make changes is, is challenging. The second item for us is the ability to attract talent that can deliver against these promises and expectations. In many cases, as we open these world-class resorts, uh, one we're opening uh, now is called the Cliff House in Algonquin, Maine, uh, just a terrific, fantastic location, and we're ultimately elevating an existing asset to a really high luxury status in the New England market in Maine. And, and the area market which we're serving is fairly rural. So the people in that part of the world, uh, it's highly likely, not, not, not only likely, but, but, but highly likely that they have not had this kind of luxury experience perhaps in their, their personal lives. And so how we shape and show up for them in crafting uh, an expectation that they can deliver against is, is a challenge. And so we think we, re- we rethink our training and development programs and our experiential programs. In that particular instance, we happen to have a, a luxury asset down the road at Stowe Mountain Lodge. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to have immersion field trips and an opportunity for people to be on the experiential side of dining and uh, the room hotel hospitality stay and experience so that they're able to, to visually connect and ultimately deliver against that at this at this new asset. And so we get creative and fairly untraditional in some of our programs and practices to try and crack crack the code, but it is a continual work to, um, to, to deliver against that. I, th- I think that's going to be a very popular uh, calling card that you just uh, talked about just before, the idea of promoting them to be a customer. So I love that. So for all the uh, challenged employees that you have that just don't get customer service, I love the idea of promoting them to the customer. Uh, I think that's going to take off. So thank you for sharing that. Robert, I got, I got a challenge for you because again, I know you've you talked about over 90 properties. You're growing really quickly. One of the things that's about destination, you mentioned in the beginning is that you really have a strong independent focus. So these properties are really, I guess, nurtured and, and directed or inspired to be celebrate their uniqueness and of their location, the experience, and of course, the people. So how do you create a culture with so many on what is, I think, 90-something independent businesses? How do, you, how do you bring them all together under one culture? I think it's uh, it's it's one of the the challenges as we grow that we're able to create that uh, ability to replicate and scale uh, the cultural cultural values of the organization. Uh, one, I think we try and keep our cultural messaging and values simple. Uh, I think the simplicity factor can't be under underscored enough uh, so that people have a way to connect and re- resonate that. Two, we do it in a way that's playful and, and real life. So this the freedom to go beyond this context of uh, everyday speak. Uh, we, we use it around work-life integration on things that we might refer to as destination life, um, have real practical accessibility in terms of language and words and programs and practices that people can can, can relate to. 
the um, the overarching uh, cultural immersion side of our program that we refer to as destination DNA, and the DNA piece uh, is meant to be you know really a play on the on the traditional you know definition of DNA. It's in your core. It's built into the system. It's wired in uh, subtle and not so subtle ways. So you can't miss it from uh, branding to selection to onboarding someone's learning experience, how we reinforce recognition, uh, what shows up in performance management, and the like. So we are always looking for that uh, DNA connection point at each of our assets, yet we allow for the individual collection, the individual brands to be their best be their best uh, representative of the local market and the authentic experiences we're trying to curate and, and collect. And so at Terranea Resort in uh, California, uh, they have a very different way of uh, thinking through the DNA using destinations, you know, core DNA as a, as a foundation brand. Uh, if you think of Maslow's theory of hierarchy of needs, we have that uh, destination core value set and uh, fundamental uh, connection beliefs on the lower uh, foundational element. But Terranea has the ability and permission and is encouraged, I would dare say required, to be its own brand, to be unique. And so we allow for that celebration of individuality to flourish, but we do it with the cornerstone and the foundations as a destination hotel. So those unscripted discoveries, the service with the story, the ability for a guest to feel individually empowered and the associates, likewise, is key. And it runs through the, the theme. It's what makes destination uh, different. And so we, we work hard to find that balance between uh, common core and connected uh you know, shared set of values and beliefs across the portfolio and allowing for the expression of, of heavy degrees of individuality and uniqueness that, that make our guests and associates connect to the individual locations and properties we, we manage. Listen, it's fantastic. Obviously, a lot of hard work. So tell me something that you're really proud of, uh, something that's been really innovated that you've been uh, working on and added into your culture in the last uh, sort of 12 months, 24 months that you think is having a really great impact across not only all the properties, but at a corporate level as well. Sure. Yeah. One, one of my favorite uh, newest best practices is a partnership with Globoforce, which is a, uh, a software as a service provider. Uh, we have uh, partnered with them to link through some technology applications that they have and really blow up and change our recognition uh, systems. It allows for peer-to-peer recognition up and down, top associate to manager, manager to associate, and catching people doing things right. So this use of contemporary technology uh, is mobile, uh, mobile enabled. So people on their cell phones uh, have an opportunity to uh, catch people doing things that are reinforcement oriented and valued in the culture. So if you, you have an associate who catches another associate doing something that, that would maybe reinforce, let's say, service with a story, uh, boy, you did a great job. You have an opportunity to provide real-time online recognition to that person. Uh, the benefit is there's two or three things that make this unique. One, it's done in real time. So the speed and immediacy of recognition happens at the moment in which great things are happening in the workplace. So you no longer are waiting for this traditional arcane employee of the month, employee of the quarter, I forgot what you did 30 days ago, um, here's your nomination, and, and it doesn't connect to the, to the speed and the time in which great, uh, great is happening in your organization. Two, it's incredibly visible. So not only is it a great way to say thank you and recognize somebody, but it has this tremendous visibility that others then can see. Uh, three, it creates this peer-to-peer or <clears throat> top-down, uh, bottom-up uh, hierarchical ability to recognize people doing great things throughout the organization, linking it to culture, 
and providing analytics and reporting. So as you think about a traditional business that may have gone from employee of the month and employee of the quarter, those those nominations get lost in time and are never reported on again. And so the analytics that can come from this partnership are are terrific. And um, what it challenges, I think, businesses to do, and including us, is move away from recognizing simply tenure and how long people have been around and recognizing the things that ultimately matter and drive value and performance. So new associates who have been here two days have the same opportunity as someone who's been here for 20 years to come in and get recognized. You don't have to have been here 20 years to have value, validation, recognition. We, we recognize uh, awesome, and we do it at the speed in which which great things happen. That's fantastic. And again, obviously, recognition being so important. Something else I uh, want to just uh, sort of pick your brain about before we sort of get out of here, uh, and it's something I know that's very important to you, is the program at Destination Hotels called Destination Earth. I'm really interested if, uh, you know, talk a little bit about that, but how is that playing a part in your culture, being able to focus and really uh, bring people together in the cause for improving and saving the environment? Sure, yeah, we're really proud of our work around Destination Earth and the environment. It's been uh, inculcated in, in our culture for, for really since the infancy of the company. Um, more so now with the changing shift in demographics and millennials into the workplace, uh, it's not only a, a, a nice to have, but I would dare say a need to have. And between uh, philanthropic efforts and giving and caring for the environment, uh, the workforce is, is demanding and requiring that employers have a responsibility code ultimately live values that, that bleed into how they live their personal lives. And so there's this uh, incredible blending of how people live, work, and play and how those lines uh, today are as blurred as, as ever. And so people want to find a company when they go to work that ultimately mirrors and matches how they might live their personal lives, the things that are important to them, and philanthropic charitable efforts and giving, the ability to connect uh, to the environment and get back around our, our efforts on Destination Earth, whether that's recycling programs or uh, the many things we do to ultimately help the environment. And, and sometimes those those elements are connected. So we may have a hotel that uh, recycles uh, soap and sends it to a, a charity in Africa that, that uh, makes better use of recycled soap for a community or uh, clean water programs. We have a playful connection to our guests and our associates and our guests uh, really expect have come to expect that from us, and so we're, we're happy to um, be on the lead, leading edge of driving uh, responsible uh, building and construction and development for new hotels that that win uh, countless green awards, to implementing programs that hotels we we take over and become. Uh, associated with in, in the environment. It's fantastic. Not just doing a uh, some great work there uh, for Mother Nature, but also obviously having a big impact on your employees as well. Robert, listen, you've given us a lot of great ideas today, a lot of great insight. I appreciate it. Before you go, how did you give yourself the title of uh, Senior VP of Really Cool People? Because I'm sure there's some people out there that want that title. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think I think I think we uh, one. I think we don't take ourselves that seriously. We, we remind ourselves what business we're in, and and uh, we have a lot of fun with what we do. Uh, the irony is, as we've as we've uh, blended our company now with Commune Hotels, uh, they had used the uh, moniker People Services, and we had been a little bit more uh, traditional in some of the areas on HR, and so. Uh, I think I, I think my title was actually ahead of its time. Maybe I was a prognostication of, of things to come, but the um, uh, it seems seems to fit, and uh, it really resonates with with our our beliefs that we we really have extraordinary people and uh, a tremendous uh, group of of associates who are making this happen for our, our guests and and for each other. And so it's with great great pride that I 
and boastful about my title because I think it represents what we're, what we're doing. Well, listen, congratulations, not only on the title, but having a lot of really, really cool people working for you there uh, and with you at Destination Hotels. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Malwig, Senior Vice President of Really Cool People for Destination Hotels. Please go back and listen. There were some fantastic uh, ideas, some brainstorming, some best practices there. Robert, great job. Keep it up, and we'll look forward to seeing you out there on the road. Thank you, Shane. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks very much, everybody. Well, listen, I'm really excited to now take a shift and uh, talk to you uh, about a great product that we see out there in the marketplace. As you know, a part of what Culture Hacker is all about is that we're really trying to recognize companies, software, and people that are truly changing not only what our industry and human resources is all about, but how to really reinvent the employee experience. So I'm very excited to bring to you from Fuel50 today, the EVP of sales, Mr. Grant Kraft. Grant, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you, good, thank you. Appreciate the invite and looking forward to uh, to answering a few questions over the next 15, 20 minutes. Well, listen, thank you very much. And I know the audience is going out there going, oh, no, not another New Zealander. So, Grant, uh, originally from New Zealand, but you're based out here in the U.S. now, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Originally from New Zealand, down the very, very south in a very uh, rural part of the country, but I've uh, been in the U.S. now for almost 19 years. So um, the uh, the accent doesn't sort of lean that way but it's been a very long time since i've been out here so i guess i'll apologize to all our listeners right now with two new zealand accents coming at them pretty strong uh please know that you can always send us a note if you need any of that information translated um because we understand that uh, we sometimes get a little excited and speak a little quickly uh for everyone out there so grant tell us a little bit about uh fuel 50 the uh, company and the software what's it all about yeah so fuel 50 has come into the market here in the US at a really unique time. Um, at, a, at a high level, it's an interactive career passing, career growth software. Um, it enables leaders to really engage and motivate their teams. But more importantly, we're all about the employee and empowering the employee to have a clear line of sight into the opportunities within their organizations. Um, there's been some pretty extensive studies done over the last couple of years and some staggering statistics out there. I mean, some of the ones that jumped to me are, is um, a global study done by CEB recently, which cited that 86% of employees have left organizations due to lack of career, de- career development. And the other one that's just astounding to me is that only 30% of employees see a future career opportunity in their organization. So um, so what we're tackling is exactly that. It's a, it's a career pathing software, incredibly interactive and something that we think is very unique here in, um, in the marketplace. So those numbers are absolutely staggering. So how has this come about? We all know, I guess, that uh, within our organizations, career development's important. And certainly I've been reading a lot of studies lately about uh, millennials and it, every time it seems to mention that career development is absolutely critical for them. So in your own words, how did we get to this point where career development just hasn't been either a priority or delivered correctly for so many people out there in the workforce? So, uh, there's no, I think it's been the long neglected piece of the ecosystem. If you think about you know, technology, certainly in the HR space over the last 10, 12 years, there's been some fantastic technology come in. You know, obviously, it started with the likes of the PeopleSoft or the SAP or the Oracles. And then you moved into the HRIS space where 
work they are certainly um, becoming a major player you have success factors cornerstone on demand all of these systems are strategic and critical to the organization but they're very much top down in that you know upper management are bringing them in to help the organization be more effective but you don't have any employee out there who doesn't leave their job because you rolled out Workday or you rolled out Cornerstone On Demand or you bought an Oracle. And so for the longest time, there's been a major sort of void in something that's bottom up, something that really empowers the employee. And so, you know, organizations have typical job boards out there, but typically, therefore, you're only business line. So if you're in a role and you know your manager and you know your manager's manager and maybe the person above that, and they're not going anywhere, then very quickly, you know, you get a little disillusioned and feel like there's no sort of career opportunity for you. But if you think about these companies, certainly companies with 5,000 plus employees, and then you get into the, you know, the 50, 60,000 plus employees, there certainly is an enormous amount of opportunity for these employees, but they've just got no way historically of seeing it, which is why you have those staggering statistics. And, and it just hasn't been addressed before until now. And, and um, you know, the companies that are, that are coming to us and that we're talking to, they have one of four things going on and generally more than, than just one. And that is engagement levels are at a historical low, not just here in the US, but globally productivity per employee, which is a, a knock-on effect from that lack of engagement, um, is dropping. Retention is creeping up, and of course, the millennial um, factor plays a part in that, but that's not the only reason. And lastly, um, there is a, a, what we sort of term would be almost a global epidemic in the, um, the lack of managers or leaders to have an effective career conversation with their direct reports. And so one of those four things, whether it be engagement, whether it be productivity, whether it be retention, or whether it be you know, just really disappointing results in terms of the frequency of career growth conversations happening between the manager and their direct reports is leading organizations to really start to address it. So listen, you've set up the, the problem perfectly. And I think, uh, as I said, the research is backing it up. So tell me, how does Fuel 50 address what you've just talked about there? And maybe give us a little insight into uh, you know, a successful business case or somewhere where you've really had a big impact. So give our listeners a bit of insight to what uh, you can do for them. Yeah, so Fuel 50 is modeled around what we call the three E's. And that is, and where we always start, and that is empowering the employee to take ownership of their career. And I'll come back to that. The second piece is enabling leaders to have more effective and more frequent career conversations. And I'll tackle that as well. And then lastly is is the execution. You know, how can we help, you know, our partners in the HR space to execute on this um, you know, career growth proposition. So that that the other three pillars of the product. So if I start with empowering the employee, the very first thing that Fuel Fifty has for the employee when they come in it's incredibly interactive, it's truly responsive. You know, we have about 40% of our users now at one point or another accessing the system from their smartphones. But we run them through a series of reflective exercises that we call fuel factors. We have four fuel factors. The first one is around values, and it's a card sorting exercise, not too dissimilar to the game Solitaire, but certainly more interactive. And that's where they identify what their top personal values are. Then they identify what their top career values are, and then they align those values 
to the organizational values. So it's a great values alignment exercise. The second exercise is around agility. Where are they at at their career? Where are they at in their role? Because you could be in an organization for 10 years, but maybe only six months in a role. What's your work-life balance look like? What does your mobility look like? Can you leave you know, your office in Dallas and move to London? Or have you just had twin boys and your in-laws live around the corner and there's no way that um, you can move? You know, so we really understand their agility factors. We then look to see their work styles. And there's a completely different engine that understands what sort of work style that they like to be in. And then lastly, we, we really dig in and understand their skills, competencies, experiences, qualifications, and certifications. So each one of these engines produce an enormous amount of data and results and insight for the employee and also for their leader. So they're certainly not psychometric tests. They're about 10, 15 minutes in length. And at the completion of these reflective exercises, what we do is we use machine intelligence to grind all of those results coupled with what role are they in and how long have they been in that role. And then we present to them, within the space of about five seconds of crunching that data, all of the roles within the organization at a parallel and at a stretch level and provide them with a percentage match completely agnostic from where they are. So if they're in logistics or supply chain, they may start getting roles suggested to them that are in account services or client support, or maybe they're in client support and they'll start receiving you know, insight into roles in the sales part of the business. So we're agnostic to the role that they're in, but we take all of that data, we use these proprietary algorithms and suggest to them a series of roles that provides a percentage fit and when they drill into those roles, not only do they start to understand what these roles are, but because of the data we have, we show them what they have in terms of skills and competences and experiences, and we show them what their gaps are. So all of a sudden, an individual has this clear line of sight outside of his or her world into the organization and what roles are open to them. So it really is unique in how we go about it. Well, that's got to be fantastic for the staff member, but I got to say that uh, to have a leader to have access to that, to that type of information has got to be incredibly empowering for them as well. This could uh, really change the type of conversations that we're having with our staff each and every day. Yeah, there's no question because what they do, with what, what an employee does with this information is, you know, all of a sudden they can identify two or three target roles. They can see who in the organization is in those aspirational roles. They can reach out and have a cup of coffee if they're in the same building or, you know, a phone conversation and, and talk to a colleague and say, how did you get here? You know, what does a day in the life look like? What does a month in the life look like? Why do you love it? So that, that employee is all of a sudden really starting to see that there is a lot of career opportunity. They may have identified two or three roles and they've identified what they don't have. So when they're getting ready to sit down with their, their manager, you know, instead of like, you know, where do I go from here or can I get a pay rise or, you know, promote me, all of a sudden the whole paradigm shifted and they're coming to that conversation and I'll come back to the, what the leader sees in a minute. But they're coming to that conversation saying, look, you know, I've identified two or three roles. Certainly I'm not ready for them. 
However, I'd like to go through each one of these with you and get your thoughts and feedback. And, and I want to understand what we can do here in terms of putting together a growth plan or an experience map on what I need to do over the next 6, 9, 12 months to obtain the necessary skills or the necessary experiences. And in some cases, you know, those experiences won't happen in the role that they're currently in. And so you're having this conversation of, can I go on a secondment? Can 10% of my time be spent with one of, you know, one of our other teams, you know, working on a special project to gain this experience. So these types of conversations automatically are starting to um, improve engagement, certainly starting to improve loyalty, um, and there's a very different conversation that is currently being had between a manager and employee right now. So tell me, what, what, how do you set that manager up? Obviously, they uh, get to see some information beforehand, so they're obviously set up for success again, as yeah? Yeah, exactly right. So if you're, a man, if you're a leader of others or a manager of others, um, you have what we call the leader view, which is that second pillar that I talked about at the beginning. And so when you log into the leader view, there's an enormous resource kit, including you know guides, e-learning modules, um, some, some self-service checkup evaluation tests, all of these resources to help a manager deliver a more compelling career conversation. But furthermore, all of his or her direct reports automatically populate in the dashboard. And when you drill into one of your direct reports, it's pulled in all of the data from their fuel factor exercises and generates specific conversation starters around the values and around the skills and around the agility factors. So as a manager, who may or may not have had had, had much um, exposure or education or workshops around how to deliver a career conversation, right now at their fingertips, they've got all of the data from their team or from their direct reports, along with some conversation starters right there in front of them. So there's really no reason why a manager cannot now have an effective career conversation. And and, and to give you an example on that, uh, one of our clients, um, they have um, they have 14,000 strong, and they ran a survey oh, about nine months ago. And one of the questions in the survey was, "Does your manager care about your career?" And um, the result was 36%. Only 36% of them felt like their manager cared about their career. So we ran a pilot. So we had 1,400 people in the pilot, 10% of the population. And then the remaining balance, if our numbers are correct, was 13,600 was the status quo. So six months later, just by giving the pilot group access to these reflective exercises and then providing the manager with that insight and conversation starters, that's all we provided them. Six months later, when they resurveyed, the the control group, which is the larger group, the 13,600 people, their results were the same. In fact, it dipped a point. Only 35% of them felt like their manager cared about their career. But the 10% pilot that had access to Fuel 50, it jumped 40 points. 76% of them answered and said they felt like their manager cared about their career. Because all of a sudden, the manager had a dashboard, had tools, had conversation starters, plus the results from these exercises to have an effective career conversation. So... You know, that, that, that's one example of how you can really move the needle when you start to um, put in place Fuel 50 and start to provide employees with something they've never had before and, and, manager, and managers um, 
Listen, I love the, love the idea that you're actually giving power to the employees. So you're giving them responsibility as well. And I think that's something that's so important in today's age. And you're giving information to managers so that they can start to be better leaders or at least create that better perception of leadership. Because at the end of the day, creating a great culture and employee experience doesn't have to be left up to chance. It's not just about having certain personalities. It's about getting really smart with the processes, resources, and in this case, the software that we have. Grant, this is a, a fantastic. Any final thoughts then uh, about where the software is going in the future and, and what gets you most excited about the space that you're in right now? Uh, I think um, you know, the, just two things about you know what's, what's really excites me and, and where it's going in the future is you know the adoption of Fuel 50 is, I've been in HR technology a little over 15 years and um, you know, the adoption of Fuel 50, for those reasons you pointed out before, by starting with the employees, not only is the employee really learning a lot about themselves and really learning, getting that clear line of sight into other opportunities, we actually, because we capture so much data, that we're able to present to the organisation, um, you know, this data back and say, look, for a particular role, let's say, you know, supply chain at level three, we can tell them that the common DNA or the common attributes of people that have been successful in this role are people that have X, Y, and Z, right, from the fuel factor exercises. So the reason why people keep coming back to the system is not only is it helping an individual identify a career opportunity, but for the, for the organization, as they have growth, as they have turnover, as they you know maybe build out a new team, they can look and see true data about we need to identify people in our organization have this, 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 and this, and who are aspirational to make a move, and they can go out and find the people. So it works two ways. So the reason why the adoption is so strong is not only can the employee find, you know, a new um, career opportunity, the organization can also tap them on the shoulder um, for, for new roles because they've got this data. Um, and the, the other piece about what we're most excited about is, is the team is working incredibly hard on taking it a step further and getting into that predictive space to really help our clients with workforce planning and helping them predict what skills, what competencies, what experiences they're going to need depending on the growth trajectory they're on. So there's a lot more exciting things to come. And I think in terms of, you know, the space is, the space is, 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 is enormous. I mean, you can't look at any piece of research right now or anything from, you know, without seeing, you know, engagement being at an all-time low with people leaving due to lack of career opportunities. So we think there's, um, there, there's a, lot, a lot of exciting things about to happen in this space. Listen, mate, well, well done. Uh, Grant Kraft, uh, Senior Vice President of Sales for Fuel50. Grant, what's the best way that our listeners can uh, reach out to you? Certainly the website is fantastic. Our marketing team um, do an incredible job. So fuel50.com and for me personally, it's really, really easy, grant at fuel50.com. And for those of you a little confused by the accents, that's F-U-E-L-5-0, fuel50.com. Grant, thank you very much for joining us today. Love the insights. Love the uh, stuff that you guys are doing. Well done. Congratulations. And thanks for being a part of Culture Hacker today. No, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks very much and have a good one. Bye-bye final thoughts today and I want to focus in on career development. Grant gave us some great insights into some of the work they're doing and we really got an opportunity to understand a little bit more about why career development is so crucial. The bottom line is 
it must be a priority for you and your organization. With so many young people coming into the workforce today, their career is important to them. But if it's not gonna be important to you, they will go and find another company where it is. Keep that in mind, it must be a priority. These conversations must be happening. As an organization, you must have career paths. This means that every position in your organization, you're able to detail the requirements, the experience, and the education to get that position. Show an employee what it takes to get to their dream job. Make sure you're focusing in on your managers. I So many times I see managers stopping career development out of fear that they'll no longer have a job. You gotta flip it on its head. We need to incentivize and recognize managers that get people promoted. It should be an important part of their expectations and daily routines. And finally, remember as an organization, you've gotta provide your people with these development and training opportunities. You've gotta help your staff get to where they need to be. But understand this, by giving them opportunities, you're also putting responsibility and making them take the initiative and taking control of their careers. So make sure that that's a priority as well. It's not just about giving it away. Please make career development an important part of your employee experience, and it will certainly have a big impact on the attitude of your people coming to work. My name is Shane Green. Thank you so much for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you on the next Culture Hacker podcast. Take care out there and we'll see you soon.